0: Okay, we're live, this is episode 88 with Dave Hunter from Dave and Chuck the Freak. He's a familiar face and a familiar voice uh, across the Windsor-Essex community and and touching into Detroit and a few other states as well. Um, Originally, I think you're from uh, Belfast, Dave.
1: That's right, yeah, I was born in Northern Ireland and uh, came to Canada when I was like six and have been here ever since.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. So uh, while he's in Windsor now, and uh, has been here for, for quite a number of years. But if you're just tuning in, he's the co-host of Dave and Chuck the Freak, a really a popular show, a morning show on 101 WRIF, and it can be heard across several stations in North America. Uh, he's also the official spokesperson for Transition to Betterness, a charity in Windsor-Essex, and also was formerly at 89X in Windsor, and uh, started really airing the show Dave and Chuck the Freak in 2001. So a number of years with the show. And this uh, this year, actually, I believe, or this year or next year, Dave, marks 10 years being with WRIF.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, 10 years next May, we've been, it's flown by, it's gone so fast, but it's hard to believe Chuck and I have been doing the show together over 20 years now. I've known Chuck longer than I've known my wife, so <laughs> it's a pretty crazy thing, but it's a, it's a work partnership that's worked well, so it's all good.
0: That's fantastic. We'll get a, a little bit into the relationship uh, a bit later, but uh, just to kick things off when you're in Windsor and you're you're not recording in let's say the states or anything like that, where's your favorite place for coffee if you drink it? Uh,
1: there's a couple of places. I mean I love Anchor uh, uh, you know in Walkerville, but I'm really a Starbucks guy. I know some people hate that, but uh, I like strong, strong coffee and Starbucks uh, Starbucks does it the way I like it. so that's my place generally.
0: Now is your show uh, recorded and and aired in Detroit?
1: Yeah, so we're live every morning in Detroit so I cross the border every day um, and we broadcast from there to all the other stations we're on.
0: So where near WRAF where the uh, Dave and Chuck the Freak headquarters are, would you get coffee?
1: Um again, it's probably Starbucks. <laughs> There's like I crossed the border at 3:30. So there's nothing open anywhere, really, at that time. So I'm a brew my own kind of guy, honestly, most of the time. I prefer it better anyway. So I get to work, and I make my first coffee of the day, and, and that gets me started.
0: So 3.30 in the morning. You must go to bed quite early then.
1: Yeah, we're almost at my bedtime right about now. Uh, it's coming <laughs> okay, up. Okay,
0: well, I guess I'll make it short. Um <laughs> But, no, I just I wanted to touch base with you to talk about your fantastic career in, in radio and broadcasting and just a little bit more about how Dave and Chuck the Freak started and all that stuff. So we'll jump right into it. How did you first become interested in radio? You know I- – I I can't really pinpoint
1: a time. All I know is there's tapes of me at like eight years old interviewing my grandma, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's always been something that's in me. I've always been curious and passionate about that kind of thing. I've always been a newsie. I always kind of followed that. I really wanted to go in the direction of news. And um, I covered, uh, when I started in radio in Toronto, I covered the Paul Bernardo murder trial and it really kind of switched my whole career path because it was, you know, horrible as you can imagine. And um, I decided, no, you know what? I I love the business, but I wanna laugh. I don't wanna be serious my whole life. And so I went more towards comedy and radio and that kind of thing.
0: Okay, no, very cool. And yeah, I mean, that's where life takes you. You don't know until you try it, right? Yeah,
1: for sure, absolutely. (laughs)
0: And how did, how did you and Chuck first start this relationship? And I mean, your show is blown up. It has uh, over the vast number of years. And like you said, over two decades together, how did this all start? Well, honestly,
1: it started in Windsor, of course. Um, We were both working together. I started in Windsor on AM 800. I was uh, a weekend news anchor, and then during the week, I covered city council, which, you know, you know a lot about, and so that was my deal when I started, and then I went over to the FM station, and I was on uh, 93.9 The River, and Chuck was... Uh, He ran the board at AM 800. He did all the weekend shows. And so we first kind of met then. And then 89X had Chuck come over there to run the board for the morning show there. And several months after that, I was brought over to 89X to do the morning news there. And from there, it slowly evolved. There were two other hosts at the time, Kelly and Dean. Chuck and I were just kind of background guys. And then Dean left to go to Toronto. And then it became Kelly, Dave, and Chuck the Freak. And then Kelly left and it became Dave and Chuck the Freak. And so, okay. yeah, as I said, I, we've we've known each other as single guys before marriages and kids and all that jazz. We've we've been together doing this a long time.
0: So, in order to start a radio show, is this something where you have to attract attention from from a, a news outlet to want to invest money into the show? Is there is there something in your career that? you, you covered something and it, it got the attention. Like these guys got what it takes, you know, they have what it takes to have their own, their own radio show. We need to give them air time.
1: I think in radio and especially in this, You know, in Windsor, Detroit, we were broadcasting in Windsor when we started at 89X and, you know, broadcasting into Detroit, a massive radio market with such a history and so many legendary DJs. um, Mm -hmm. It's about building a following. It's about word of mouth. It's about people saying, oh, my God, did you hear what they said on Dave and Chuck the Freak this morning? Or did you catch that? And, and, And people going, oh. You know, I'll tune in. Our company, you know, in Windsor, they didn't have the budget that some of the Detroit stations had. So there wasn't a lot of billboards or advertising. So our show really started from word of mouth. And um, that's what's helped us the whole way along. And we keep that top of mind. You know, the people that started our show, I still respond to emails. We get, you know, sometimes hundreds of emails every show, but I do my best to go through and respond to as many as I can or text messages and that kind of Mm. thing. We connected with the fans and we stayed in touch with the fans, I think, and that's been hugely important to the growth of our show through the years.
0: So is that what do you think makes makes the show so popular? Is that engagement or is there other pieces uh, that you bring with the show that's, that's really allowed you to capture such a, a large audience?
1: That's a huge part. You know, we've had people reach out to us and say, oh, my God, I've emailed radio stations all over and no one's ever responded. And so uh, it's huge to some people when they get a response back from someone on the show, which I think is awesome. And I think, you know, we'll always do that. But there's there's many other little bits and pieces that go along with that. And um, I, I just think that what we do is so important to connect on different levels as you know we were one of the first shows to put our whole show on a podcast i think we're talking 15 years ago and our bosses hated it they're like no make them listen on the air (laughs) we kind of said no no you don't understand they're going to listen if they're in their car they're going to listen but they're missing a lot of our show most people are in the car for 15 or 20 minutes so let's let them download it and hear the whole thing whenever they have time on their schedule and that also was another huge part of our success, because even if people weren't listening in that morning, they still kept up with the show. And then when they could listen live, they did. If not, mm-hmm. they download the podcast and they've taken us with us wherever they went.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And it, it's something I'm seeing other radio stations uh, do as well, whether it's through Spotify or Spreaker or other types of, of podcast platforms where, like you said, you can get it anytime throughout the day. You're not missing something that's being said. Um, and at the same time, you're still mentioning the the label company, I guess WRF WIRF or WRIF when there you're go. when you're referencing on the podcast. So it's still giving a bit of pr- promo, right?
1: Right. And now they're another source of revenue for a lot of radio stations. You know, they sell advertisements on the podcast as well yeah. as air. So they're money makers. They've turned them into that through the years. So that's yes. why.
0: Well, we'll jump in that a bit uh, a bit later. I want to you know understand how radio is changing, but uh, there was a quick question that came in. It's from uh, David Li, if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, how do you stay so energetic throughout a show? Do you ever feel tired when a show starts?
1: Oh my god, absolutely, all the time. Just imagine, you know, like. You don't sleep well every night and getting up at 3.30 comes bright and early. We actually get up at 3. So uh, I think we just work off each other in the room. The, the best part about being on a show, you know, with a, a group of people is one of us could be having a bad day. And there's other people around to kind of, you know, pick up the ball and kind of run with it for you generally i'm a pretty good i'm energetic and positive and upbeat and it just comes naturally so you know with coffee but yeah. um yeah we can all kind of count on each other to keep it going and and if someone's sick or something's going on the rest of the people in the room realize that and and you know maybe step up a little more than normal
0: yes and did you have to switch to virtual during the pandemic at all or were you were you fortunate enough to be all in the same room um, I did.
1: There was a confusion about crossing the border uh, yeah. for the first you know, month or two, so I was in my basement, which was very bizarre, and everyone else, though, was in the studio uh, in Detroit And uh, for, the, for two months, anyway. It actually, after the initial awkwardness, and no one probably even noticed, you know, I had a camera on me, <laughs> camera on them, and it sounded the same, so if you weren't watching the peep show that we put out every day, you wouldn't have any idea I wasn't in the same room.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we do have another quick question from Darsh Leith Poirier. It is, uh, what is your most memorable episode?
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> we've had, we've had lucky enough, a lot of memorable episodes through the years, but for me personally, and this is weird, but, uh, I grew up listening to Kenny Rogers with, you know, my mom and dad loved Kenny Rogers and Dolly Barton and, they got Kenny Rogers to call into the show one day and surprise me, you know, rest wow. in peace, he passed away the past few years. But um, he called in and I had the balls to say, hey, can I sing with you? And we sang The Gambler together live on the air. And. Blew my family's mind. My whole family couldn't believe that actually happened. I was a superstar in Ireland and across the world. So uh, that was probably, for me, one of my most memorable episodes. I can say I sang The Gambler with Kenny Rogers. It's a pretty big deal.
0: And now you just have to get Dolly Parton.
1: That's it. I'm
0: trying. (laughs) Uh, No, that's awesome. Thanks for the questions. But going back just a little bit to how radio is changing, you mentioned – Dave Chuck, the freak, you know, expanding to the podcast platform for people watching later. Uh, have you noticed anything else changed in the you know past 20 years that you've been doing the show?
1: Oh, so much. You know, I mean, there's good and bad with all of it, right? Social media is amazing. Many different platforms for us to reach our listeners and share. Even when we're off the air live. We can share things through there. We can stream videos. They can be at events with us that they couldn't normally be at. That's all the positive stuff. The negative stuff, you know, you put yourself out there every day. You get instant feedback, good and bad and positive and negative. And so there's some haters and there's some, you know, not so great people, but we're lucky. Our show is, I would say, had 90% positive feedback through the years. So lots of love from lots of amazing people that listen to us every single morning. And we're like friends or family to them. You know, They hear about all of our lives every day. They're having their coffee. They're getting the kids off to school. They're on the way to this construction site, whatever it is. We're there with them every morning and just trying to make them laugh, just trying to take their minds off the crap we all have going on every day. And so uh, thankfully, the feedback from that is uh, amazing and we always appreciate it
0: and and just speaking of a little bit about we talked about how things are changing in the broadcasting industry for someone entering this this type of career now what would be your advice to them how do they enter it in in, in such a changing environment
1: you've got to be incredibly determined you've got to know this is what you want to do I mean now more than ever especially in Canada the media landscape has changed tremendously mm-hmm. where there were once 300 jobs there's now 30 jobs one guy is doing the job of five six people that normally would have done that so um, as you get bought out by bigger companies like a lot of Canadian you know stations have for example Bell you know um, it leads to corporations running you and downsizing so yeah. to you want to be in the business and really want to do it. You, you're going to uh, face some tough times along the way. You just got to get used to that. And you generally got to start small. So you've got to pick like a, a smaller town or a smaller market, start there and work your way up to bigger cities. if, that, if That's what you want to do.
0: Would you recommend starting as an independent? Yeah, I, I, it
1: all depends. It all depends really what you want to do with, you know, your life and, and your future end goal of, of what you want to do. I mean, We're incredibly lucky. Jobs like we have are pretty slim, you know. You Mm -hmm. barely get a chance to do a morning show in, you know, one of the biggest markets in North America and then be able to air in other markets as well. And um that just doesn't happen for most people, so one of the things that Chuck and I were always grounded, we're always humble, we're always thankful, you know, we know this could end tomorrow, but we also know it's been an amazing ride. We've been very blessed to be, you know, along the way, do what we do. So, but yeah, if you really wanna do it, I think you can do anything if you really wanna do it, but you just have to be determined and you gotta be able to go with the ups and downs of the industry.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I think that goes with, with everything in life. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Another quick question. What was the technology and radio like when you started versus today?
1: Uh, Completely different. I mean, I was literally splicing tape. You know, it was reel to reel tape and i would have to splice it before i aired my interviews and cut it together there was no digital editing i literally had to if i didn't like a part of it i had to cut it physically out of the interview and then tape it back together and hope it sounded okay and seamless as it played and then from there they went to they were called carts pretty much like cassettes that were just on a loop and all the songs we played on 89x were on cart and um you know the computer system they've just gotten so much faster and better through the years. The the best part, I think, though, for doing a, a morning radio show is just, you have the internet at your fingertips. Any question we have, any clip we need, mm-hmm. everything is right there, you know, and that's evolved so much over the years. You can get whatever you need and the information you need to broadcast the latest details on everything. That's been the biggest thing. That was kind of, you know, that was around when we were starting our show. We're not that old, but it wasn't as great as it was now. And we didn't have the depth that it has now. So those tools are amazing.
0: I, I had no idea you actually had to physically cut ribbon or whatever it, it was. Yeah, I mean. tape.
1: yeah. <laughs> we had to cut tape and splice it back together and, and hope, hope it worked out.
0: Uh, just a couple more questions from the audience, and then we'll, we'll go to uh, a few questions for myself, and we'll, we'll wrap it up because I know it's uh, almost bedtime for you, Dave. But uh, okay. next question comes from Maximus Reed. What are your goals now in radio? As you've seen such success, is there something you still still feel you need to accomplish in this industry? Um, no, I don't. I don't know if I have any more goals.
1: I uh, my goal is every day to be better than the day before. Uh, The goal is we are our harshest critics, so we'll sit after a show and go, oh, God, that sucked. But uh, it's just to try and be as funny and as entertaining as possible. And more and more, you know, with the events of the American election over the past few years and then COVID, we've switched. You know, we talked about that stuff and we kind of got away from it now. Now we know we are the escape. People can Mm -hmm. deal with that stuff in their day to day. They don't want to deal with that stuff if they're listening to us they want to just laugh and they want to hear the wacky stuff that you know we encounter from all over the world so My goal is just to make people laugh. And the emails we get of people that have lost someone or are going through tough times and, you know, your show was the only smile I had on my face that day. That stuff's amazing. That stuff keeps me going every single morning. That stuff gets me out of bed at 3 a.m. knowing that we can help people in that way. Will the show continue to grow? Well, hopefully. You know, there are plans. Uh, Who knows? But um, we are amazed where we've gotten this big, to be honest with you. So whatever happens from here is all good.
0: I, I was scrolling through your Facebook page and, and some of the, you know, the funny memes and videos you posted, I was just blown away by like, you know, 47 million people watched it. I was just like, wow, these, these guys know what they're doing and they know when to find a, a popular topic that they can share with a, you know, a massive audience. And, and like you said, the best part being making someone's day on the drive to work. So I think, you know, what could be the worst thing is, is turning on the radio and all you hear is negative.
1: Right. So we realized that quickly into the pandemic, you know, we were as depressed and concerned about the future like everybody else, but our job was, no, we got to make people laugh. We are going through this stuff like you, but we got to <laughs> pretend it's all great and just smile and, and find the goodness in everything and the funny in everything. So, uh, yeah, sometimes we can be off color. Sometimes we can be outrageous, but uh, it's just about poking fun at everyone and everything, including ourselves a lot, just so we can all laugh together and have a good time.
0: That's awesome. Uh, you know, my, my final question, Dave, before I, I, I let you go here. Is uh, just for somebody that's perhaps, uh, maybe it's me because I have a podcast myself and a show myself, uh, but for anyone else that's watching, how do you really grow your show? And I, and, and I mean to to Dave and Chuck the Freak scale, what would be the tips and tricks or something that you could share with those? Watching? I think
1: number one, be genuine. Um, that's hugely important. listeners, most people can see through BS. You know, there's some other radio shows that have staged things or actors calling in. Never once have we done that in our show. Although some people find it hard to believe, but all the crazies you hear on our show, they are the crazies that listen. (laughs) We love them for it, but it's all genuine. Our reaction is real. Our reaction is not staged, not scripted. When I come into the studio in the morning with the stuff we're gonna talk about, no one else in that room knows what we're gonna talk about. You know the the first you know little bit of starting our show years ago we would talk about what we were going to say on the air and kind of think about how we would react and we'd laugh our butts off in the office and then we get on the air and go oh we already said that you know it wasn't as funny so we realized no if we want to do it it's got to be live it's got to be real and so the reaction you're hearing on air is the first time all of us have heard it nothing stays nothing's planned so being genuine is super key to being successful. I think with you know listeners these days, that's hugely important.
0: I appreciate that advice, and it's uh, just going back to it a bit. Like it, it sounds like if you were to over prepare yourself for an interview and, and try to figure out what somebody's going to say next, like you said, it, it comes off less genuine. And I'm I'm just thinking back to an interview I watched with Larry King, and he mentioned that uh, you know he he wasn't preparing for any of his interviews and he would interview the guests and have no idea anything about them and just kind of went for it. Yeah.
1: I, I think that's, I try to do that. You know, I'll get some background if we're interviewing people just so I don't Mm. sound like a fool about them, but the best moments come from listening, you know, picking up something they said or uh, being actively in the conversation instead of reading the next question down. (laughs) here. <laughs> so those are the, those are the key things that keep the interview going and make it sound real and realistic. And then I'll ask all sorts of crazy questions that they weren't expecting. And you get a genuine reaction from whoever they are. You know, some celebrities are super strict. They'll have questions and you can't vary from them. We don't, that's why we don't do a lot of interviews anymore. We hate that. You know, they'll yeah. send the questions you're allowed to ask and they have to be asked in that way. Yeah. And I have seven minutes and there's no room for any fun. It's, I'm here to promote my movie and here's what you can say to me. So we kind of gave up on most celebrity interviews for that reason, because they're so controlled now. But in the ones that we have free reign, then we have fun with it. And yeah, you just try and 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 make it as off the cuff as possible.
0: Yes, exactly. Without embarrassing them on air. <laughs> well, sure. well, I've done that too. I've had some
1: celebrities hang up <laughs> on me, but oh, well, and then that's amazing too. And then listeners love that as well. Whatever happens, happens. You just roll with it.
0: Yep. And last question. I did lie. That wasn't the last question. This is the last right. question. Um, what do you do in your free time? You you work, you know, 3 a.m. till whenever you get home, you go to bed at seven. When you have a day off for free time, what do you like to do?
1: Uh, family. You know, I got two boys that uh, are still with us and they, you know, eventually they'll be doing their own thing, but they're, getting older now, one's in university and one's in high school. So I try and spend as much time with them. Of course, my wife, Amber, is amazing. And we have a great group of friends. And so uh, whenever we can fit in, travel is key. I love going yeah. anywhere and, and exploring new parts of the world. And um, also, I, I think it's important to give back to the community, too. You know, I love Windsor-Essex. It's where we started. It's who started our show and who made us successful in the beginning. So like you said, i worked with Transition to Betterness and still am the spokesperson. And i worked with uh, Easter Seals through the years hosting the telethon and trying to raise money for uh, some challenged folk in the community and that kind of thing. So um, anytime I can give some time back, I just uh, did an auction at the Erie Shores Hospital Gala. So uh, I love to be able to help out the community and especially raise money for great causes. If I get my dumb voice can help out in some way, <laughs> then perfect. I, I'm glad
0: to do it. Well, I imagine you get uh, an MC role quite often, so. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, you can't do them all, but uh, ones that mean a lot to me and I think do a lot for the community, I
0: absolutely will help out. Awesome. That's amazing to hear. And uh, Dave, thanks for thanks for joining the folks in, in Windsor. Uh, glad to have you here and, and talk a little bit about all the exciting things happening with Dave and Chuck the Freak. All right, Linda. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.